0: His name to be praised. I don't know about you, but today we're in the father's house and the father's eager for his praise. I wanna I wanna sing that song. Go go to nobody like you, Uncle Mike. But then go from there'll 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 never be anyone like you. Can we just sing that real quick? Anyone like you guys never be anyone like you'll never be anyone like you never be anyone like you God Singing like There'll never be anyone like you'll never be any Thank you for helping with that. So as Pastor Kayla said, I move around when I talk a lot. Sorry. But let's just just get used to that. Um, Like Pastor Kayla said, I was the summer intern. And I was kind of scared in the beginning. I'm not going to lie. Last year, I helped in the Soul Surfer classroom. And junior hires are scary, but they're also really cool. They're they're also really cool. my heart skips a beat every time Diego Alvarez says hi to me because he actually sees me and he says, oh, hey, Yasmin, like when we're not at church. If I see him on campus, he'll say hi. It's awesome. It's great. Um, the same with Diego Verduzco. He'll be like, hey, Yasmin. I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> you can see me. <laughs> um, but I worked, I, w- I worked with the high schoolers specifically. And they were great. The this, uh, this summer was, um, it was full. We started with VBS, and can I just say, I have a newfound respect for Miss Trina and Pastor Kayla because managing like a hundred plus kids, five to six days a week to make sure no one got hurt—like, let's just praise God for that one. <laughs> um, after Six Flags, we went to our annual trip for six. No, after VBS, we went to Six Flags. Um, I like roller coasters. My sister introduced them to me. The way she did it was you're either gonna ride it or wait in line. <laughs> so I had no other choice, <laughs> but I've learned to like it. So I try to do that with some of the, the kiddos that went, but Matisse was not having it. But I give her props for the ones that she did ride. Amen for that one. Um, but there was one specific ride <laughs> that the kids saw and it was a slingshot. And they were like oh dude you you're not down to ride it and i'm banking on my good friend pastor milton to not be down (laughs) i was like i'll only do it if pastor milton do it does it because in my head he's i'm thinking you know he has to drive back he's not going to want to ride and so i go up to him i'm like hey pastor milton you're not down (laughs) he's like oh i'm down i'm game (laughs) and i was like no you're not (laughs) he's like no I'm gonna do it and so um Matisse no not Matisse it was Cherishan Cherishan and Desi were like if you guys do it we'll do it and so this like party of four grew and I was like oh dear god now I have two youth watching me to see if I actually follow through with what I say great my mouth always gets me in trouble So next thing you know, Pastor Moses, I was like, guys, I don't have money. I'm sorry. Pastor Moses was like, oh, don't worry. It's already bought here. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, but I was going to buy Destiny in, in church. And oh, no, they're already bought too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. There's a video, but I'm not going to show you the video. You can come find me after church if you really want to see that. But... um they have videos on YouTube and Facebook of those rides, and it shows people blacking out, and bless the Lord that there was not a camera on our cart, because, you know, like I said, my mouth always gets me in trouble, and the guy, the the guy is stretching this giant rubber band, and you hear it, you hear it in the background, we can't see it, because now they dropped our seat, and we're just looking at our father in heaven, basically, <laughs> and I'm like, oh dear God, <laughs> what did I get myself into, and Pastor Melton's I like, hands, hands high, he's hands high. And I'm trying to be like, dude, like, help me. And he's like, no, go for yourself. And I was like, that's not okay. <laughs> so he's like, hands high, ready to meet his maker. And so next thing you know, the guy, the, the worker starts talking and I'm like, oh great. He's going to shoot us off unexpectedly. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to fly out of my seat. I don't know what's going to happen. So next thing you know, he says, what's your favorite Pixar movie? And like without missing a beat, Pastor Milton's up. <laughs> and I, while I'm still like calculating, in my head what is that reference for (laughs) you know long story short we got shot to the heaven we saw the face of God and we landed safely back on earth Um, following six flags we we went camping to the sequoias where the boys learned that it takes the girls four hours to mentally prepare for their pestering we would we would tell the boys four hours As soon as we woke up, seven o'clock, four hours, give us four hours before you start poking and prying, because we're not going to deal with it. And so then, Pastor Kayla had assigned the youth, okay, we're going to do nightly devotions. We paired them off. And I'm thinking, oh, great, I'm off the hook. She's like, no, you're doing morning devotions. I was like, okay, great. And that's where the kids learned that there's power in giving praise to God hearts were shared, tears were fall, fallen, hearts were open, and I'm thinking, thank God I'm not a youth pastor yet, because I, I wouldn't know what to do with that, because literally hearts were poured, and I'm like, what do you do with this information? Do you hug? Do you rub? What, do you sit in silence? <laughs> the growth of Christianity is awkward, just like God is awkward. He will put you in an awkward situation. Let's just get that out there. God will use an awkward situation to get you out of your comfort zone, right? Right? Because there's no growth in our comfort zone, but we're not comfortable here, right? Mm, We'll see. Following camping, we went to One Life. One Life is a youth retreat for high high schoolers, specifically for the academies. We wanted to send them with a blessing before they start the school year. And... I was like, okay, cool, I'm, I don't have to be a part of this, there's other sponsors, I could just be in the background. No, they're like, you're assigned a family group, go and share your heart with them. And I had no one I knew except for Diego Alvarez, and we're friends now, it's cool. And they took us through what's called a Jesus experience, where we basically walked through the story of the prodigal son, but without saying that it was the prodigal son, we, we wanted them to like connect the dots. So there was a specific point where we talked about rock bottom and that's specifically, you know, when the younger son realizes that, you know, he comes to his senses that he's not living his best life like he thought he was, basically. And so he comes back and he, he's humble to the father and he's trying to he's trying to make out this whole this whole thing to tell the father like I'm not worthy, but I still want to be in the house because it's better to be in his house than anywhere else. Amen. With that being said, summer was great, it was awesome. It was also the first summer where my mom and my dad had all their kids together again. It was great. (laughs) Anne's laughing because she met my sister this summer, and she realizes that she's like a miniature of my mom. And if you really know my mom, then you would understand why Miss Anne's laughing. So that means more of you get to know my mom so you can laugh like Miss (laughs) Anne. Um, she, she, we, ha- we were all together, it was great. It's like when we were little again, we fought, we laughed, we cried, we made our mom grow gray hair again. It was awesome. But my sister had to go to Hawaii for a year-long internship. She's a youth pastor out there, so she was departing. And she likes to wait till the last minute to pack. It's, I do that too, I can't, I can't say that I don't. <laughs> but my mom called me, I was at volleyball, and she called me and she said, yes, and come home. We want to take your sister to the airport. And I wanted to go home to make sure that she didn't steal my books. (laughs) I bought a all sort, all sorts of reading books for the summer. I didn't read one, but I would like to think that I would have. Anyways, after being in college and realizing how expensive textbooks are, I treat every book, whether it's new, old, used, like it's gold. So the books that I brought, that I bought, um, I, they're mine. But I wanted her to ask, and if she asked, I would have just gave them to her. It was that simple. I don't know why sisters vicar. Um, so I got home and I went straight to my room and I looked under my desk where I keep all my books and six were missing. Not one. If it were one, I would have been like, mm, okay, you can keep it, but it was six. That's two hands. That's two hands. It was six. And that's where I was like, deep breathing exercises. this yes, doesn't be calm, it's just material things, relax. No, I, it's like I went off at the hat and I was like, you're saying where's my books? <laughs> And she's like in a frenzy, and, I, and she's like, oh, babes, I don't know where your books are. She's packing, she's worried about not packing something that she needs, and so I was like, okay, I'll give you some time to come to your census. So I gave her some time, and she's packing her things, and what? meanwhile, while she's packing in our room, I go to the living room, and I start checking her bags to make sure that she didn't take my books because I know she took my books. They were in my room the, the day before. And so I go and I'm looking, and you know, I don't find them. And I, I, I tell my mom, I'm like, Mom, she took my books. And my mom's like, you didn't even read them, Yasmin. Yes, Who cares? <laughs> I'm like, you got a point. But they're mine. <laughs> they're my books. And so she doesn't fess up. And so she's about to walk out the door. And my mom tells her, Yesenia, if you took Yesmin's books, give them back. And in my head, I'm like, it's your last shot before I do something. But like I said, my mouth gets me in trouble all the time. And so she then explodes and she's like, I didn't take her box. Check my luggage. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you need to stop. (laughs) You're getting a little too fired up right now. (laughs) I'm trying to be the calm one after I poked and poked and poked. (laughs) And so I was like, you know what, to stick it to you, I'm not gonna drop you off at the airport. And that just like broke my mom's heart. Cause like I said, this is the first summer that we were all together. She wanted us to, you know, send her off as a family. But I was like, no, you messed with what was mine. I'm not gonna go. And so then, you know, like I said, breaks my mom's heart. Tony's like, you're being such a, ugh, right now. And so he walks out the door and she comes back in the house and I had a shot, I had a window. I had a window. I, saw, I vividly see the window as I'm talking. I have a window to be like, let's extend grace and mercy and who cares about the books. This is the last time I see my sister. Or let's stick it to her right now. And so I decided to stick it to her. And I went and I sat on the couch and she left. And so then her friends, I heard them coming up the stairs of our house. And I was like, oh, they're going to try and come and convince me. But I'm set in my ways. So I ran to the bathroom. And I hear them <laughs> knocking on the door. <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm gonna stick it to her. I'm gonna I'm get her where it hurts. And so then they, they end up leaving and then I'm alone in my self-righteousness. And then tears start to fall because I'm gonna miss my sister and I missed the window to go and celebrate her one last time. Sounds familiar, huh? Can you turn with me to Luke chapter 15? starting at verse 11. I'll give you some time since I talked a little bit. There's there's a grace period. This is the grace period. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Go ahead and say amen if you're there. So it reads like this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. How many? Two. Two sons. Yeah, you are awake. I love it. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Is that anyone's dream job, (laughs) to feed pigs? They're cute when they're small, but have you seen like the ones at the Delmar Fair? That is not cute. (laughs) I can imagine those are the type of pigs that he was feeding. (laughs) Um, It continues. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, my favorite verse. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. In that moment, he knew that there's a plethora of food, but the food's in his father's house. It's not where he is by himself, doing his own thing, living his best life. He knows that the food's in his father's house. I am starving to this. I I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But wow, he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So now I imagine he's wearing like chanclas, some sort of shoe. And I can only imagine like he's looking out in the distance and he's like, oh, it's on. And he goes. That was my excuse to take my shoes off. My feet hurt. (laughs) But we're going to go with it, okay? We're going to go with it. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. I love celebrating. That's just a thing, amen. Thank you, David. I love celebrating and I believe, I'm firmly convinced that God has blessed us with so much that we have no reason not to celebrate. When I was back in high school, typically if you're you know, Latina or Mexican, you have a quinceanera and my sister had one and I remember I don't wanna get all dolled up in a dress and stand around and go greet everyone for like two hours and not even like enjoy my own thing. But then, you know, several quinces happened in my class, and I was like, "Oh, that looks really fun! They get to celebrate. There's food." And so I told my mom. She had like three months. So, like I said, my mom's Wonder Woman. I was like, "I want a quince," and like my birthday had passed and everything. And she, she was like, "She was like, babe, like we asked you like years in advance." I was like, "I know, but now I want one." <laughs> And so when we celebrate, at least for my family and I, my mom thought everyone and their whole mom should be invited, which I have no problem about that. I, like I said, I love celebrating. And so I had a court with damas and chavilanes, and typically it's seven girls, seven guys, and like you're the 15th, but (laughs) they're laughing (laughs) because they know. I literally had everyone and their mom in my quince. I had 22 couples. (laughs) If you look in my quinceanera book, there's like two pages. It's not a small book. (laughs) It's a big book, there's two pages and it barely fits everyone. (laughs) So like I said, I like celebrating. Now here's here's the juice of this parable. Meanwhile, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing whoever said you can't dance. I'm just kidding, I know that's a touchy subject, I'm not gonna go there. (laughs) But it's in the Bible. (laughs) I'm not making it up. He heard music and dancing, so yes, if you see me during BBS, I know how to dance. (laughs) That's just the thing, I'm sorry, I'm not ashamed. (laughs) But Pastor Kayla has to tell me sometimes, yes men, (laughs) there's kids. (laughs) I'm not twerking, it's just I get into the music, I like it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I can, only imagine, uh, I can only imagine the older brother right now, walking off in the distance, seeing his, his house, his property, and I'm imagining that this, this event that they celebrated for the younger brother was somewhat like my quince, so I'm envisioning this like big, huge, loud party, because I'm a loud person, you guys know that by now. Um, And I can only see, like, I, I, you can see the smoke in his temples just lift off from his head. Why? Why are they celebrating my brother? Why are they celebrating my mother, my brother? He was with prostitutes. He practically cursed my father to death. He wanted his share before he died. Why are they celebrating him? They have no reason to celebrate the younger brother. Verse 26, so he called out one of the servants, he doesn't go in, he doesn't go make a big commotion, he doesn't go in, which is just like, that's something I would do. (laughs) He doesn't go in, so he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? And they said, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, me refusing to go to the airport. Okay, that, I'm just laying that out there. So his father, catch that. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He makes his father come out to see why he's throwing a tantrum outside his house. Because he's a grown man but he's acting like he's five. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed you, your orders, I came to church on time, I sang in the praise team, I play piano, I help in morning groups or Sabbath school. But that's not a touchy subject. I help do sound, I help in the food ministry. He's laying all his faithfulness out to God that he takes pride in. So that he can throw it to the father's face. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, disowning his brother at this point. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes. Comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. I'm pretty sure that was a big deal. Like I said, I'm no theologian, but I think a fattened calf means that's a big celebration. So there's a lot of people, so that's a big party. And listen to the listen to the father's response, because I I'm not a parent yet. I don't have kids, but. If anyone talked to me the way he just talked to his father, like I said, I'm not a parent yet, my hand would be right here, ready to swing. That's that's just point being, that's all of our gut reactions, is, oh, you're gonna talk to me like that? Well, I'm gonna set you in your place real quick. But he doesn't do that, which is why the father is the prime example of what it looks like to have patience. And we all know who the father is in this parable. It's God the Father. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. The main part that I take away from this parable, from this story in the Bible, is God's teaching us how to forgive. That's, that's, it's written, it's written in here. I'm not faking anything. God's literally teaching us how to forgive, but he doesn't teach us without reminding us that it's always at the expense of the person that's extending the forgiveness. That's who it costs the most. It costs nothing to the younger brother to be brought back into his family. Nothing. Nothing. His father threw off his robe, put the ring on his finger. He's been back into the family, meaning he now gets a share of what's left. Meaning he now gets to tap into the older brother's inheritance. Would you ever be in a relationship with someone just so you can see what you can get out of it? there's a term for that I'm not gonna say that term it's inappropriate but I think we all know what we're talking about doesn't that make your stomach turn like you want to vomit do you guys know what it's like to vomit (laughs) that was for that was for miss Kimmy really wanted me to do that so I told her I would try to work out something. I don't know I don't know why she likes that noise but doesn't that make you sick to your stomach? Doesn't that make you sick to your stomach? That you only want to be in a relationship with someone to see how it benefits you? But we don't don't do that here, right? We come to the Father's house to give him praise, not to cross our T's and dot our I's, not to check it off the list and say that I went to church today. I never really wrestled with a passage like this, until this week. I remember when I preached last in this church, I was in high school, I had a green cast on and I was talking like this, because I broke my pinky, so I was going like this the whole service. It's cute, but I, my hand's free now. And I remember after preaching, telling myself, oh, if I ever preach again in church, I'm going to do the the parable of the prodigal son i wish i never prayed that prayer <laughs> i thought it was easy i thought it was it was a go-to story you can just you can just get at the younger brother and see how he this is the father to his face nobody cares about the older brother and so when i was doing my stuff for the week i was ready to like lay some wood for my church family and i remember talking with one of my friends and saying several points that I had I wasn't giving everything away I was saying like a couple and I was expecting like wow yes man that is so profound oh my gosh are you a theologian like I was legit I'm not gonna lie because I'm on I'm on spot right now <laughs> I was expecting them to be like hey that's really good I was expecting them to get like a pencil out and like jot it down <laughs> and when that wasn't the reaction I was like did you not hear the words that came out of my mouth that's a good point write it down you could use it in something (laughs) and so I that that like wrecked me I was like oh my service gonna suck people are gonna look at me and be like she don't know what she's talking about (laughs) and so the more I kept talking with my friend the more you know, I was I was saying all the complaints I had about about the global church, the local church, our church community, how we fight and bicker and don't get along. I was I was laying all of that out, and the one thing he asked me, why do, why are you doing what you're doing? Oh, dude, I wrote I took my laptop out and I typed that so fast, cause. I always say this, and David's probably going to laugh right now. God just smacked me. He just smacked me, and he's like, Yes, and what are you doing? You're trying, to, you're trying to call people out. You're trying to condemn people. You're going to sound condescending. No one's going to listen to you after that. You're going to sound just like the older brother. Isn't the older brother condescending for the younger brother? He tells his father to his face. Your son, your son, not my brother. It, that's your son. We, me and my siblings see this, that's your mom. <laughs> we always do that. <laughs> my mom's great, I love her with my whole heart. <laughs> but sometimes we're like, that's your mom. <laughs> he tells that to the father, that's your son. He squandered your money with prostitutes. Why, do, why, why does he care to list the wrongdoings of his younger brother? because he sees himself as self-righteous. But I want to say that he sees himself equal to God or he's his own God. Because there's no point in keeping records of other people's wrongs other than to throw them to their face, to belittle them, to show them that they're not worthy of the Father's love. We get that. Pastor, Pastor Milton said this a while ago, at the cross it's all equal. It's all equal at the cross. I don't care if you have money, I don't care if you have an education, I don't care if you have a fancy new car, I don't care if you know how to write, when it comes to that cross, we're equals. We've all broken the Father's heart and we've all sinned against heaven and against ourselves. Because Facebook, that's not the only place you fight. So what do we do? What do, we, what, do we, what do we do with that? We've, we've been given something from generation after generation that does not reflect the Father's heart. We've been given something that makes us think that we have to dot our I's and cross our T's to be called a Christian, an Adventist. We've been taught that if you don't know all of Ellen White's writings, then you're not a true Adventist. But bless that woman, she was a prophet of God, I don't care what you say. She's awesome. I made that point to my friend, but like the point he made for me was, yeah, but you didn't think that God would knew that even after all the years that she's died, that people would still rag her name through the mud? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have signed up for that job at all. She's like the definition that goes against any excuse that we can throw out to say that we can't be used by God. I'm just saying that. That's awesome that she would take on that task. We've been taught that to be in the Father's house, to be accepted into the Father's house, that you have to work for your salvation. That you have to earn your grace? Do you believe that? Is that, is that the truth? Is that, is that what we're going to give to destiny? Is that what we're going to give to Matisse? Hannah, Layla, Sophia, Dali, Alan, are we going to give that to them? That in order to be in the Father's house, you have to earn your place? That makes no sense. That makes no sense, because there's always going to be someone better than you. I remember when I started sports. (laughs) My dad, I love my dad. He's great. He's in the back right there. I love my dad. But when I started sports, I was terrible. My brother was phenomenal at baseball. I would go out with him on Sundays, and he would do grounders, pop flies, all that stuff, and then my dad would be like, Chick, go out there. And so I'm ready, like I have my glove. <laughs> my dad hits the ground and it pops me in the face, and I just, <laughs> I never want to do it again. <laughs> I'm like, the heck with baseball. I don't want this glove. Take it back. <laughs> you can ask my brother what I would do in the outfield when he was swinging. <laughs> I would play with grass. But my dad always told me when I started sports, he said, Chick, there's always going to be someone better than you. Whether, like, that's just the plain fact of life. There's always going to be someone faster. There's always going to be someone smarter. There's always going to be someone that's better than you. So then society takes that, puts it in a box, wraps it in a nice little bow, gives it to the younger generation, and says because you don't match her, you don't match him, you're not worth it. Is that what we want to give to the next generation? At one life, I saw all sorts of kids praising and worshiping. Some were dancing in the seats, some were just, you know, very calm. That's okay. Both are both are acceptable in God's sight. But I just saw these kids just going all out for Jesus. And in my head, I'm like, why do we think that we're gonna have a problem with passing the baton to the next generation? That, that's not the problem. The problem is what are you gonna give them? That's the problem. Are you gonna tell them that they have to walk through the doors, that they have to stand up here and sing praises to God to get his love? Are you going to tell them that they can only call it Sabbath school and not morning groups in the morning when they meet and discuss the Father? It's wordplay. What's, what's, why do we hang on to the wordplay? I'm sorry, but this, this is just what God's put on my heart. Like I said, I was ready to like swing a hammer and be like, what's going on? But God humbled me. I was here last night, and I was saying, I don't even remember what I was saying, honestly. I was trying to practice what I was saying today, and I don't remember anything. That's just how the Spirit works. If you were here this morning, uh, that, that's a complete different thing. Where that The Spirit moves in, in different ways. And like Sharon said, if you don't, if you don't go with the Spirit, you're going to miss out on God. Amen. That's that's just plain and simple. If you don't go with the Spirit and you're not after what the Spirit has has given to you, you're going to miss out on God. We had a big, not a big, because not many people came, but we announced to our church community that in January that they can come back after second service and we were going to lay what God has given our church community to do. I don't know if you remember that. God God gave something to Pastor Milton, who has then, that has turned into something for the pastoral staff, to now that is something that God has given this church community. And what God sends his hand to, no one can take that away. So if God has given you something, you either go and you fight with the Spirit of God, or you're signing up for a whole different battle. That's just plain and simple. If God's assigned you to a task and you say no to God, you're saying no to the Spirit and you're saying no to battle. And you're going to do a whole complete different battle that you're not going to have the army of God behind you because that's not what God has given you. What's, What's the motto for our church? New church for a new future. I wish everyone knew that. So I'm telling you right now, the motto is a new church for a new future. Capturing the hearts and imaginations of the next generation. And quite frankly, friends, I don't know another community that's willing to sacrifice whatever we think is a big sacrifice to give something different to the next generation. Because we've been given something that's not from the Father's heart. We, We haven't. To think that we have to earn grace and earn salvation and earn our place at the table, that is not from the Father's heart. The Father's love is free. It's a gift, meaning you did nothing to deserve it. That just comes from the heart of the Father. And it's up to you to decide if you want to take it. I'm going to do a thing, because that's just, I want to make a point. Can I borrow the both of you for a second? Thanks. Mm -hmm. Hannah, Layla, this whole row right here, can I borrow you? Boys back here, can you come? Matisse, Shershan, Tim, come. Amy, Talia, you're here too. Ralph, get up. Ayana, Holly, I see you. Get up. Chris, Nick, Richie, just for a second, I just, I just want to make a point. What, what, hi. What, what do you see before you? Andy, Diane, Tony, can you come to the front? Lucas, Eliza, Franz, please. What do you see? It. I know Ayana, you know, she's still a daughter of the house. I don't care who says what. She's a phenomenal volleyball player. <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> that's just not because I I help coach. That's just like, that's a plain fact. <laughs> Destiny has decided to go after what God has put on her heart. Mm, amen. And that's to be a, min- a minister of the gospel. And what's the gospel, friends? Good news. Good news. It's good news. The gospel is good news. Yeah. Hannah wants to be the first Broadway Latina. <laughs> and quite frankly, I think she can do it. I've heard her sing. We have these kids who are pursuing desires and dreams of their hearts and I don't know if they know that they have a community that they can fall on when their dreams get crushed because that's that's just how that's how life goes life doesn't go the way we want it to this this is who we're passing the baton to so I'm not worried that the church is going to be empty that's I'm not worried about that they're here right now God has placed specific. And if you think God's not specific, then you haven't met God yet. God has placed specific plans and things for each and every one of them. Sons and daughters of the house. If you sit in the foyer and you sit with your arms crossed, we don't have people that's going to come and be like, how was your day? Because this, quite frankly, doesn't look like you had a good week. That's just the point. When someone from the older generation comes to you and asks how your day was, don't give them the bogus answer. We've all, we've all heard it. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm tired. Have you ever been tired? I've been tired. Don't give them the bogus answer. God has placed them in front of you to bless you. Get that, get that. They might be older. You guys might not always agree. But they have your best interest at heart. They have your best interest at heart. I'm only 21 years old. I can only help you with 21 years of life. Okay? But there's there's people in this community that have done life, that have learned hard lessons, And if you ask questions, they will tell you. We're talking about authenticity, right? Their heart is saying that we wanna see something authentic. We wanna see something real. We wanna see your highs and your lows. We wanna see that. Y'all can sit down. I appreciate, I appreciate your cooperation. (laughs) That's what they're saying. They say we wanna see the highs and lows. We wanna learn your hard lessons so that we don't have to learn it through our pain. And I know parents in the congregation, there's some lessons that you've learned in life that you don't want your kids to learn. That I've learned lessons in life that I never, if I ever have kids, I never want them to learn those lessons. But no one knows what their lessons are unless you tell them. You have to step in, Shannon talked about it, you have to pray for the window of opportunity. You have to pray for the door, and when God opens the door, because like Sharon, it's going to be a three-car garage, and you'll know. When he opens that door, you have to walk in it. Because there's Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's Twitter, there's all sorts of things on a small little phone that will tell the next generation what they're worth, who they are, and what they should value. And quite frankly, those don't match the Father's heart either. Amen. Amen. Like I said, I have the opportunity to coach alongside Pastor slash Coach Beltran. And in the beginning, I thought I knew everything. It's okay, we can... Yeah. (laughs) I knew nothing when it came to coaching. I thought, oh, if I know the game, I can help you. No. We had a pass and pound tournament up in Mesa Grande this past week, and Pastor Milton told me. He said, Yasmin, the girls are gonna look to you for their rotation. And I was like, ah, I know, I've, I've played volleyball, I know what I'm doing. Oh, dude, I'm so glad he wasn't there. <laughs> 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 Ayaan and Holly Kavouch, they looked at me and they're like, where do we go? And I was like. I had a nice little diagram of each rotation. I was, that was like Chinese in front of my eyes. And I'm here saying that I know volleyball. Long story short, we got called out of rotation. I had to call a timeout. They were not where they were supposed to be. I say that because they're gonna look to you. They're gonna look to you. They look to me and I pray to God that I can only point them to Jesus. They're going to look to you and your job as parents, as siblings, as aunties, uncles, grandpas, grandpas. Point them to Jesus. Because only Jesus can do what Jesus can do. And when you point them to Jesus, get out the way. You don't stay longer than God has called you to stay. And you don't get in the way when he has called you to do something. Your object is to point them to Christ and let Christ do the rest. Because quite frankly, friends, Christ will work. Christ will work. That's what I want to give to the next generation of the church. I want them to know that they can come to the Father's house and figure out the Father in his house. Meaning they can ask the hard questions. Like I said, God loves awkward. I don't, but... Like I said, it, it, it grows you. They want to come in the house and they want to figure out the father and they want to discover the father, but they have doubts. And I, like I said, I've only lived 21 years of life. That's not a lot. So when Pastor Milton says there's a blessing in a cross-generational, a cross-generational relationship, there is... I remember when I started coming to this church, Mr. David didn't even know me. As soon as he saw me, Hi, Esmond. He knew my name. I didn't even know him. He, ever, it, unfailing. Every single Sabbath that he sees me, Hi, Esmond. I'm glad you're in the house. You know what that does to my ears? It makes me forget about my crappy week that I had, and it lets me know that even though I had a long week and I felt worthless and I felt terrible that there is still a place for me in the Father's house. I told H I was going to do this. We all know H Hassani. If you don't know him, he's kind of a big deal. Not really. (laughs) Just kidding, H. Just kidding. I remember when I first started coming to this church, Asher was like this small. He had long curly hair. And he would go running whenever he saw Hassani, and he would arms high, "Uncle H!" And if you see an "H, H looks like he means all business. Now when Asher said those words, "Uncle H," that like facade that he has, the, the one that makes you think he's big in bed that just like broke, and he was like, yeah, sure.") <laughs> and so I thought, oh!" I can call him H, that's his name. I was like, hey, H. He looked at me like I about offended his whole family. (laughs) Why? Because there was no relationship. So I didn't have the right to call him H. It was Mr. James. (laughs) And by the grace of God, it moved to Hassani. Y'all think I went straight to H? No, dude. (laughs) And finally, after we knew that there was a relationship, that there was a friendship, that we were not each other's enemies, I could call him H. He comes to the village about like three or four times a month just to say hi. So he's not being bad. (laughs) He just comes and he walks in. Is Yasmin here? I come out. Hi! can I have a cookie? (laughs) His new thing is cornbread now. (laughs) His words, not mine. I promise to Jesus. My point in saying this, friends, as the band um, gets up and gets ready and as I move my shoe, that there's a blessing being in the Father's house. That's, That's just like the plain, hard, simple truth. It's simple, but we make it complicated. Right? I don't know why. There's a blessing being in the Father's house. You can play. There's a blessing knowing who you're sitting next to. We do this all the time. We have unofficial, official assigned seats in the church line's right there where Sharon is. But when we walk in, like today, because we have some new folk in the community, when we walk in and we see someone in our unofficial official assigned seat, we don't go sit next to them. And I think that that's where we're wrong. We go and we take someone else's official, uno- unofficial official assigned seat and then we throw off the whole seating chart. And then you'll see it because I see it every time. You'll see the people who are supposed to be sitting here and they're now like shifted over here. The middles are now some over here and I don't even know that corner. My point in saying everything that I said is that we have to stop fighting with each other. We have to start coming together as a family, myself included, I I am no better than you. I have no business being up here. But I've, I've felt the, the younger brother in the story, I've felt that way. Where I think that I can go and live my best life doing what I think is best for me because I know everything. I've done it, and quite frankly, it's put me 10 years behind my timeline. I don't even know why I have a timeline. But it just messes me up. Because I'm doing life without the father. And I've also felt like the older brother. Where if I dot my I's and cross my T's, then God needs to bless me. And that is not how it works. You come to the Father's house simply because who the Father is. He is love, He is freedom, He is family friends. And with the world we're living in today, we need a family biological, church family, school family, you need each other. That's just the plain, simple truth. You need Jesse. You need Devin. You need Art. You need David. Everyone needs a David. And we need little Kira. Praise God that, that she has been born Praise God that she she's awake today, that she's doing better each day, and praise God for Kimmy signing, signing up to that task. I don't know childbirth. I don't know pregnancy, but I'll, from what I've seen and studied, I'll just leave it at that. We need to believe who God says we are. We're a chosen people. He doesn't care what you do. He wants you to just tell him the truth, to come into his house, and then go tell your friend about him. Tell him the truth, come into his house, go tell someone else. We can't fill these pews if we don't already love who's in them. We have to love each other, and then we gotta go love the younger brothers because they need to come home. They need to come home. So I'll invite you to stand. We're going to sing who you say I am. And for me, that song wrecks me every time because God calls me chosen and God calls you chosen. So don't sing because you like the word. Don't sing because it's a great song. Sing because you believe that God says you who you are. You're his child. You're chosen. You're not forsaken. You're loved. You're in his house. That's why we should sing. Not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. That's why we should sing.